This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. I've just returned from a conference that conversed about the social determinants of health are practically speaking the social determinants of anything bad, unfair, and unjust in our society. The top four social determinants of health seem to be food insecurity, housing, transportation, and isolation. I learned a lot and had several things confirmed in my mind about food insecurity among the vast world of healthcare. Jerry and I will be discussing these in coming weeks, including how both access to health insurance and health care are now being viewed through the lens of equity and what that means to us and our strategy to better serve the people that both health care and the Food Bank Council are serving. We will talk about the logic that we believe sustains our efforts to not only be seen by health care as one of their favorite charities, but also why the network of the Food Bank Council of Michigan should be considered as one of their primary partners to impact the health and the cost of the chronically ill, especially among lower-income patients. Today, to help us tee up this conversation is a boots-on-the-ground partner of Food Gatherers who manages the Ypsilanti Health Center, part of the University of Michigan Health System. Her name is Liddell Cochran, and she's our guest today to discuss how food insecurity impacts their practice and their community. Come back and be with us. We'll be right here. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Jerry Liddell Cochran, who is the manager at the Ypsilanti Health Center, which is a part of the University of Michigan Health System. Liddell, welcome to Food First Michigan. Yay, thank you guys for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, it's exciting to have you. We know that you're working with one of our members, and that's Food Gatherers out of Ann Arbor. Isn't that correct? Yes, we work with Food Gatherers daily uh, for the work that we do here in Ypsilanti. Well, we just want to dive into the deep end of the pool here. We know that you and the clinic are doing some screening and some hunger intervention at the clinic, and we want you to tell us that story. Absolutely. So uh, this happened about... The beginning of 2017, we had a physician here. She's amazing. Her name is Dr. Maggie Riley. She has since moved to New Zealand, but she worked here, and she was our medical director and my partner here at Ypsilanti. And Dr. Riley would have these meetings with her patients, and she would talk about uh, their high blood pressure and trying to get their blood pressures under control, and also their A1Cs. They were also out of control. Mm. And she would ask the question, what are you eating? Mm. And every time the patients would... Uh, respond and saying that they weren't eating healthy, that they couldn't afford it. And that became the overarching theme with many of her patients. And so she started asking a question, what could we do to help support our patients? We didn't necessarily want to support our patients only in um, ensuring that they make it to their physician's appointment, that they get their medication, and that they go home. We wanted to start having real conversations about food and food insecurity, and so we created this questionnaire, and it was a three-question questionnaire that would ask our patients whether or not they were afraid that they would run out of food, 
if they had enough food and if they had money to buy more. Hmm. And the theme was 41% of our patients identified as food insecure. It's almost half of our patients were worried about whether or not they would have food. And so Maggie said, we need to partner with someone. Who can we work with to try and figure out what would it take in order for us to have food? And we partner with other agencies around within the community, sure. but it just felt right for us to do something here at home. And so we partner with Food Gatherers, who has been amazing to us. And we wrote a couple proposals. Uh, two different departments from Michigan Medicine also helped us uh, to get this thing started, the Mott Annual Fund for Mott Hospital, and um, also our hospital gifts department. And so the the um, hospital gift shop gave us $4,000, my annual fund gave us $4,000, and we set a track to start this marketplace is what we call it. Hmm. We don't identify it as a food pantry. We don't say that usually here because I believe that us calling it a marketplace, and it's really called Maggie's Marketplace, hmm. has removed the stigma around food insecurity and around asking for help as it relates to food. Okay. Very wise, very so, wise. So before Jerry jumps in here, because I know he's going to do it, <laughs> we I want to know one thing. Is there any ability at the clinic to clone you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if there's ability to clone me. Well, we, but you know what? I'm really willing to help out wherever possible. <laughs> well, we, 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 need a, we, we need a bunch of Liddells across this state. So thank you for sharing that story. Jerry, go ahead. I know you've got a lot. To jump in here on. Well, one thing I just want people to understand, you mentioned A1C when you talked about things that were out of whack. And I just want people to know, for those of us not in the medical profession, that's re- related to diabetes. It's a it's a very, very common uh, problem for people to manage. Uh, more and more people are getting it. There was some research recently that said uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of half of all children are either... Uh, having uh, pre-diabetic symptoms and will have it within a very short amount of time, 10 years or something, you know, amazingly short. So it's a it's a huge problem. And so it's very expensive to treat. It's something that once you have it, um, unless you manage your diet uh, properly, um, it's only going to get worse. And so uh, so it's a big, big issue for the people we serve right now. The it is one of the top three reasons people need emergency food is because they're managing an expensive health issue for which diabetes is one of the most prevalent. So I know that's kind of a lengthy explanation, but that A1C terminology means a very deep and important issue for our community around managing diabetes. The other thing I wanted to say is uh, congratulations on uh, three simple questions to get at something very important and very difficult for people to talk about and doing it in a way that gives them dignity, that makes them feel like you know, you're not blaming them or accusing them of anything. You're just basically saying, look, are you having a hard time knowing if you're going to have the food you need? And when you think about how many medications, say, take with food, and when you think about the impact that food has on a person's health, your willingness just to ask three questions and enter that dialogue with your patients. I mean, we're we're so happy that you're doing it. You're working with one of our favorite food banks there. Food Gathers does a tremendous job. And so I, I'm just I just can't say enough how exciting this is. 
Thank you so much. It, it has been a pleasure. And, and it's eye-opening. I think most people, we go about our regular lives if we're not impacted by food insecurity. We mm. go about our regular lives and we never even think about it. But there are people out here that are struggling every day trying mm-hmm. to figure out what they're going to eat, what they're going to feed their families, and whether or not they have enough food. And most of the families that we serve here, they are not families that receive public assistance. Mm. These are our working poor families. They have jobs. They are working. And then we have another subgroup of people that are our our adult population, Mm -hmm. older elderly population, who are struggling week in and week out with making sure that they have some of the things that they need, of course, also, and and making the choice whether or not they're going to buy food or pay for their prescriptions. Well, you just talked about two of the largest groups that we know is serving from the food bank network, and that's 47% of the people that come to us have someone in their household that is working, and another 24% are children, and the other 19% are senior citizens. So we're, we're talking the same language here, Liddell. She's Liddell Cochran. She is the manager. Tell me the name of the clinic exactly, Liddell. Our clinic is called Ypsilanti Health Center. We are located on the southeast side or the northeast side of Ypsilanti, and we are family medicine and pediatrics at the University of Michigan. She's our guest today. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. We're back with Liddell in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. Liddell Conkrit is with us today. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. And Liddell, um, I was just saying off air, and I want to say on air, that I really appreciate a lot of the values that you expressed in this first segment. And particularly, the uh, Jerry talked about it for just a moment, the value around uh, dignity and how the the way you're doing this work to, as you discover who is food insecure in your patient population, you're having some hunger interventions and that is an uplifting experience. It's a part of the treatment plan, not just charity. Absolutely. We call it a prescription for health, so to say. So a patient comes into the clinic and they're established with their provider and the provider shares with them uh, that they may need lentils or they may need uh, fruit or vegetables, certain fruit or vegetables. They're giving them things to try and they'll say, stop by the marketplace on your way out. And so our patients are leaving here. It's not unusual for patients to leave here with grocery bags because that's just the way that we look here in Ypsilanti. Mm-hmm. You know, one of one of my favorite things about this is that that's how it should be. You have to look at the whole person. You know, while prescription medications and other types of medical devices, we know how important they are. We know how they help people's lives. We're all in favor of it. But it's also true that that over half of what makes a person have a health condition or not is what they eat and whether or not they have an active lifestyle. So why wouldn't we see grocery bags coming out of the clinic? Why wouldn't we see grocery bags coming out of the hospital when people are leaving with their prescriptions, right? Of course you would. It makes absolute sense that you would. And just hearing you say it, you know, we see a lot of people walking out of here with grocery bags. I just find that to be so right. 
they're not only walking out with grocery bags, but they're walking out with everything that they need because we're taking care of the total patient here in Ypsilanti. And so we address food insecurity, but we have other things that we are also addressing, legal uh, support for our patients and making sure that we're, we're looking at the patient holistically. Mm-hmm. and not just medically. So I want to know a little bit more about you. How did you end up doing this work and, and championing this cause? Dr. Maggie Riley actually started the work. Uh, I just was her support person in that um, she was a medical director and I'm the administrator for the site. So most of her ideas, she needed me to be able to push those, right, and to get those approved throughout the university. And, and throughout the community. And so we partnered together in every way. She worked in a clinic, um, a great clinic here within the city. And uh, I believe that they had something similar where they had like a storage closet full of food. And so we decided to do something similar in that, though, we decided to offer fresh fruit and vegetables and basic stock items, shelf items that our patients can come here and gather. So we don't have any uh, feel-good food in Ypsilanti. There are no Oreos on the shelf, but we we do have basic stock items that most of our patients need. And we've introduced them to whole wheat pastas, and we've introduced them to quinoa and things that many people within this community has never even tried before. And I'm sure a bunch of our listeners have never tried it either. And this is the work. This is what we're really up against when we talk about behavior change, right? You got to give people a shot. You got to introduce it to them. You got to say, this is what it is. This is how it's going to help you feel better. And so people will try it if you give them a shot. And it doesn't cost them anything to do. We're talking with Liddell Cochran, who is the manager at the Ypsilanti Health Center. Liddell, we're so thankful to have you on the show. I got a question for you about you're, you're addressing food insecurity in the patient population. Are you discovering any of the other social determinants of health, like isolation or housing, that, that are prevalent in the, uh, in the folks that you're serving? Absolutely. I'm so glad that you asked. In Ypsilanti, we do things just a little bit different than most primary care clinics uh, within Washtenaw County. Um, within this clinic, when we look at housing, we hired here a full-time guest assistance program social worker that does nothing but tangible needs for our patients. And so if our patients are having difficulty getting their prescriptions or whether or not they need transportation to the clinic, um, if they need food, if they need clothing, all of those things are being provided in some way or we're referring them to an agency close to us where we're able to meet those needs of our patients in this population. We have two trained DTE energy reps that work on our staff that have a connection with DTE to be able to hold shutoff notices and cancel those or to allow the patients to be able to create some sort of payment plan so they can get those things. And we also are working to try and ensure that they're able to get their medical supplies. Many of our patients don't have access or don't have the ability to get the medical supplies that we need, they need in order to care for themselves. And so we're working on those things all the time. We brought in legal services uh, and in a partnership with uh, Legal Services of Southwestern Michigan. And those attorneys come in here and they help us or they help our patients with landlord-tenant requests. The kiddo is sick and they live in a house that has mold. Our attorneys are helping our patients with that case. If a patient qualifies for disability and they have been denied, our attorneys are helping to fight for our patients to get the disability that they so need. We are doing wonderful things in Ypsilanti 
taking care of the patient, looking at them holistically, not just with their uh, daily health needs, but their social needs, and ensuring that they have a safe place to live and um, that we give them other things in, within the community, like uh, a safe place for the babies to sleep and giving them pack and plays and car seats, bike helmets, and things like that. You know, one of the things that we believe is that hunger is a solvable problem or food insecurity is a solvable problem. We sometimes use those interchangeably. We know they're not quite the same thing. But, but you know, what you're talking about is how you go about solving problems. You, you learn everything you need to learn about what it really takes and then you do it. And that might seem pretty straightforward, but I'm going to say right now, just listening to you talk about all the services you provide and how you put the whole patient first and foremost so that you can cut through all the crap and get things solved and really actually yeah. help people. I mean, that, that's how well, it has to be done. They're helping people where they're at, not where they wish we were. That's right. And that's another tenet that we have on the show. Liddell, you, you go ahead. I believe that um, treating a patient holistically is, is what needs to happen, especially in a in a community like this in, in Ypsilanti. This is the right space to be able to do it, and we have the right population to be able to do it for. And it's so rewarding because you see the faces of the people, and they're thankful and they're grateful that we care more than just them becoming a number within the system. We care more en- uh, enough for us to ask those questions. What do you need? How can we help you more? What do we need to do to better serve you? You. If we had English as a second language class here in Ypsilanti, would you attend the, the classes? And, of course, it's a resounding yes. Our patients would love to come and um, learn English as a second language. But then we have another group of patients that were like, yeah, but I want to learn Spanish, too. If you offer those classes, I would also come. Employment services is something that we're considering right now and trying to figure out how we can bridge that gap together here within our clinic to be able to give our patients some of the resources that we have to offer. But we're not just offering these resources to our patients. These resources are available to the community at large, which is wonderful. Man, that's awesome. She's Liddell Cochran. She's a manager at the Ypsilanti Health Center. It's a part of the University of Michigan Health System. And uh, Liddell, I think I'm going to rename your clinic right now and just call it the, it's the Nike Clinic in my mind, because you guys are just doing it. Just do it. That's what all it takes is just do it. Get out there and ask the, ask the people, boots on the ground, ask them what they need. Go see. Right. Understand those felt needs and move to meet them. I love it. Liddell Cochran, thanks for being our guest on Food First Michigan. And uh, we're going to check back in with you in the, in the weeks and months ahead to see how things are progressing down there. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. It's our pleasure. Jerry and I are back in just a moment. Food First Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Basson, Dr. Phil Knight. And uh, I'm telling you, man, that is the embodiment of a lot of our philosophical values about how we think this work should be done, and particularly in relation to health care. That's Liddell Cochran with the Ypsilanti Health Center. Uh, you, you were you were like a cheerleader over there for a little bit of it. Well, you know what? There's a change is hard. Change is hard for anyone, and the bigger the system, 
the harder it is to change. And there's good reasons for that. I mean, when you're a big system and you got to make even a small change, even asking three questions about food insecurity, you got to think about how many people does that impact and how do you work it into your IT and, and database and you know, all that other things that take time and money and effort and uh, strategy, right? So what's exciting to me about talking to Liddell is they are really doing it. You know what? They're taking the bull by the horns. They're finding out exactly what it is they have to do, and that's going to produce results. And I'm sure those results are going to include better patient outcomes, better community outcomes, and lower costs, which is the triple aim of healthcare, right? right? And so there's a certain amount of stop thinking about it and just do it. And I liked you calling them the Nike Clinic for that reason. That's exactly right. And it's, again, not to say that thinking about it isn't important. Of course it's important. And, and, and big systems are challenging to move into and change. But moving from a fee-for-service model to a what's-best-for-everybody model We've got to be taking these steps. We've got to be showing the way because there's no question that one of the biggest winners when food security is solved is healthcare. And when I say healthcare, I mean you and me and everyone who needs healthcare. Who's paying for it? Exactly right. I mean, so healthcare doesn't mean anyone except all of us. Look, I don't want to ever give the impression that I don't believe in the value of data. Because I do. And we're very data-centric at the Food Bank Council. We've, we've published data projects, right? So we're all looking to learn more about how to do this work better. And we're looking through the lens, and we're, we're hoping that data is going to help us in, inform us about that. So with that said, I think that it is a misnomer to continue to say that we don't have enough data to know what to do next. We've been studying diabetes for how many decades. I mean, three or four. I right? mean, it's really that long. I mean, I mean, really, to have another study to talk about to us about the importance of healthy access to healthy, nutritious food on a person's A1C levels as they are measuring their, their diabetic, you know, threat to their life and existence and Stop. We know. We know. Now it just has to be like Liddell and at the Ypsilanti Health Center. Just do it. Well, you know, I I have this this perspective, right? I, I'm a few pounds overweight. I'm not going to talk about how many. Uh, and, and so when I go to my doctor, my doctor always says, you know what, Jerry, you, you need to exercise and you need to lose weight, right? Every Pretty much every time I go talk to my doctor, and it's not a surprise. Well, to some degree, my doctor might as well say grow wings because the <laughs> odds of either one of those are about the same, right? Without help, without something more than at good advice, what are the odds? You might as well say, grow wings and fly to work every day. So, so we know that that's part of the problem, right? Getting people to change their behavior, and I'm talking about me, right? I'm talking about me, is a difficult thing to do because I have a lifestyle built around a certain set of expectations and values around my work and around my kids and around a lot of other things that make it difficult to change any one thing. And that's why it's hard for healthcare to get their hands around how much can they really impact the social determinants of health. But here's the other part of the truth. When we build systems that encourage people, 
and we invest even a little in systems that value people that aren't giving advice, they're actually giving help. We're not telling you to have an active lifestyle and lose weight. We're giving you groceries on your way out of the clinic and saying, this can really work for you. We're, we're not telling people, figure this out on your own. We're saying, we've got a social worker right here who can work with you on taking whatever that next step is. Mm-hmm. The truth is, that is what it takes. And those are investments that cost money. But we know those investments have a huge return. And when you look at the hundreds of millions of dollars in cost every year to not address these things, and 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 those costs are rising, well, you can't just keep going right. down that path, right? It's the definition of insanity. So if my doctor really wants me to lose weight and really wants me to have an active lifestyle... Is there anything else you can do besides give me that advice, which you might as well tell me, grow wings and fly to work? Right. Well, you know, I I think that there comes, you bring an interesting perspective up, and that would be your inner circle. So those who are closest to us often determine our level of effectiveness and success, right? So the law of the inner circle. So maybe I need to be the person that walks into your life that says, hey, Jerry, I really, I need you to walk more. I can't help you grow wings, but I, I do need you to walk more. I'm not, I don't want you to grow wings. I want you to walk to work. I want you to walk at work. I want you to do something, figure out a way to incorporate some type of physical exercise because, man, we need you. This work needs you. And I'm not using this as an example. I'm saying this to you. This work needs you. And we need you to be around a long time. So, Figure out how to put some shoe leather to concrete so that you can walk more and thereby, in, you know, build up your, your health, so to speak, so that you're at this work a long time. Yeah, and so many of us caregivers, and I'm talking about myself, but I'm also talking about parents, right? So many of us build our life around what we do for others and so little around what we do for ourselves. And so this is, when I look at um, working working. Uh, people who still can't make ends meet. And I think about the demands that are happening in their life, the things that they have to manage on a day-in, day-out basis. I'm telling you, having groceries at the health clinic that are good for you and a recipe that's not hard to make, that's convenient and helps you accomplish both your health you know, issues, whatever they might be, but also feeding your family, I'm telling you that matters. Those are the kinds of systematic changes. We are not talking about building whole new, you know, complicated things. We're talking about doing very simple things that empower people to make the right choice. Now, you can dump it all on people if you want and say, you know what, it should just be up to them. But I'm going to tell you right now, that method is not working. The no. method of just squeezing more blood out of the turnip that hasn't given any blood so far is not the way it's going to work. So that's why these systems, that's why these clinics excite me. That's why talking to people like Liddell matters so much to me because I believe, I know, those are the things that are going to work for people. And so, yay. When right. we talk about this problem being solvable, we're not talking about something onerous. We're talking about something simple. We know what the food is. We know what it has to be. We know it's not hard to cook. But if you make it easy for people to make that choice and spend the little pennies, I mean pennies, compared to other health care costs, spend those pennies to get 
the results you want. I'm, there's no question there are huge wins to be had. And so here we are. I know I, you know, it's easy for me to go on about this because I know the people we're talking about. And you develop a love for these people. You develop just a heart for a little bit of help. And they really want to be with us. I'm just, I, I'm just beside myself about this topic. I know, but it matters so much. Well, it's great. No, and I love your passion. And I love the passion that Liddell Cochran has. That's her community, and she's standing in the gap for them. Yeah. Well, Jerry, we got a little more to talk about on this subject. Let's do it in the next segment. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, this is Food First Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just want to give you a quick reminder that uh, you can find Jerry and me on all the social media channels. Jerry's handle is... GCFB Jerry. No, GC... Yeah. Yeah, you did it right. <laughs> you looked at me. I'm no. like, wait, no. GCFB Jerry. I, I was going to... I was going to... I was just going to add, that's Jerry with a G. G. Yes. Yeah. GCFB Jerry with, with a, a G. G. Right? Yep. And then I'm easy. Dr. Phil 14. Dr. Phil, and then the number's 1-4. You can find us anywhere. On uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and anything else they've invented that we don't know about. <laughs> <laughs> because somebody's put us there. Somebody's That's put us right. there, right? Okay. All right. So um, let's, let's, let's expand this conversation a little bit geographically, because we have seven food banks in the state. Uh, well, six food banks and one food rescue organization being mm-hmm. um, Forgotten Harvest. And uh, their emphasis is a little different than the six other food banks. Their model is a little different, I should say. We have Kirk on the, Kirk Mays, the CEO, on the show a few times now to talk about uh, the partnership, particularly that you and he enjoy together here in southeast Michigan. Um, but also, the other food banks, Jerry, including Gleaners, is active in this work of penetrating the healthcare and how are we able to... Uh, come alongside one another to help the populations that we're serving. Well, so when we talk about progress, one of the things that we have to talk about is how much more activity there actually is in this area of health care and food security. Right. And so when we started the show, there was no food banks that had anything but, you know, research projects going on mm-hmm. with healthcare. And those research projects were really funded by the National Feeding America. And right. they asked some food banks to help them do this research. And that's all that was happening. Now we have a clinic in Flint that's up and running that's working directly with the food bank to provide food all the time. We have a uh, we have uh, Henry's Groceries that Gleaners and Henry Ford Health yeah. System in is Flint running. is called Hurley. It's at Hurley Hospital. That's and it's exactly called the, right. the food pharmacy, as in F A R. Not P-H-A-R. That's right. Farm. Farm. That's right. Pharmacy. And so, and, and they're doing tremendous work. We just talked with Liddell Cochran about food gatherers and their work they're doing in that clinic, but they're doing other work as well, directly with healthcare, providing food for patients and getting actual results from it. We know there's a conversation started in West Michigan about how they can do the same thing there. And so we actually have boots on the ground in four of the six food 
food banks. And and I will say this about Forgotten Harvest. They have a tremendous amount of healthy food. And as we continue to work down the path of population health and really looking at how bigger and bigger uh, scaled projects are coming into fruition, they'll be a significantly important partner in that work. So all that to say, there is progress being made. There There is a lot of things that have happened and are continuing to grow, and we're very excited about that work. So there's a couple of terms that come out in that, and I want you to help me understand them. First, there's a patient help, patient population, and then there's there's a there's uh, the the larger population health patients and then population help me understand what that means yeah so if you think about patient health that's you and me as individuals when we go to our doctor and they say we're going to do this to help you resolve your health concern whatever that is right. that's you're the patient they're the doctor that's patient health you may like grow wings <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you know that's they might as well say that uh, to me that's a personal problem i guess but uh, but when we talk about population health now we're talking about when you have whole groups of people that don't have access to healthy food, mm-hmm. and then you give that whole group access to healthy food, you now have results that are much bigger in scale and in scope, right? Yeah. And that's population health. It's when we say we're going to help school-age children, for example, and their families be food secure. Well, when you do that, it has an impact on the health of all of those people. Now, right. as individuals, it might help this way or that way, but as a group, it helps in almost every way you can think about, right? Sure. And so that's the difference between patient health and population health, and they're both critical to healthcare because when you look at the cost of healthcare, it's population health that's driving that cost way up. Maybe not individual patients. So patient, you get enough patients together, you got a population. That's exactly right. Okay. Thanks for putting the cookies on the right shelf there for me. Um, so you're right. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, investigative work going on across our network here uh, in Michigan uh, regarding how do we come alongside healthcare? How does healthcare come alongside of us? And one of the things in the whole purpose of you know our show is to change the conversation. Right? We've traditionally had good support as a as a member of the community from the Michigan Health and Hospital Association. They've seen us as one of their their favorite charities, so to speak. And are part of the Michigan Harvest Gathering every year. Uh, You know, title sponsor even. So we're talking about a different kind of relationship now with our healthcare providers. Rather than being one of their favorite charities, we're really talking about being one of their best partners. Business partners, right? Right. Because we can help their business model. Because we do things to scale. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people are helped by the food banks across the state of Michigan every year. We touch every single county in the state. So if you're going to address population health, we're a partner that can walk with you to help you address that. And I'm going to say not just in providing healthy food, which we're excellent at, Mm -hmm. but in reaching people you wouldn't have access to otherwise, right? I, I Think about the number of people who who have Medicaid in the five counties that Cleaners serves. It's 750,000 people and 700,000 food insecure people. We know they're the same people. So if you right. want to reach a population of people, food banks are a great way to, to, to get to them. Because why? Because we care and we've cared for a long time and we've learned not only how to reach people, but how to work in a trusting way 
to learn what's best for people, what works best for people, and how do we do the best with the, with the dollars that we have? Well, I think of all the commodities that we distribute, trust and hope are the two most important ones. No question. Time for a little food for thought. It's one of our tenets, principles, you might even say a value that we try to live by here on Food First Michigan. And that is, if you're going to have impact, you must help people where they are at, not where you wish they were. Once the clinic in Ypsilanti discovered food insecurity was a major stumbling block for the health outcomes of their patients, they acted. Wow. What a simple yet precise dynamic model. They discovered a need and they moved to address it. For the most part, we are plagued by analysis paralysis. We study, learn, examine, dissect data, but we are not moving simply and straightforward to address the needs people have who are under our care of both our payers and providers. And this is nationwide. This is not unique to Michigan. I understand the holdups, the holdbacks, and the reasons why it hasn't happened yet. But the real reason is we aren't big enough yet. You say, well, wait, Phil. Healthcare is one-fifth of the U.S. economy. Not that kind of big. I mean leadership big. We need champions inside of healthcare like Susan Hawkins at Henry Ford Health System and Liddell Cochran that we interviewed today to grab this challenge and not let go until we have moved the needle and created food security for the patients we serve. We need someone in healthcare, payer or provider, to follow that moral argument about food insecurity that I'm hearing a lot of talk about and seize this opportunity to partner with us and make a sustainable difference in the lives of their patients by creating access to healthy food. We need that kind of leadership, not just another conference or a study that is two degrees separated from the last study. Well, that's all the time I have to rant today, folks. So don't forget to catch all of our shows at foodfirstmichigan.org. That's foodfirstmi.org. You can find Jerry and me, Dr. Phil Knight, on all the social media outlets, and you'll be glad you did. So until next week, remember, it's Food First, folks. Food First. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.